A very good Monday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report here on this December 19th. In today's My Ag Life and Almonds Report with Taylor Charlstrom, he'll be talking about pollination research stations that provide important data for almond growers during bloom. I'll have a look at regional and national agricultural news as well, beginning with regional ag news right after this. This segment is sponsored by Bee Hero, the leading almond pollination provider. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. CNH has announced it has purchased a 10% minority stake in Stout Industrial Technology. Stout, a Salinas, California-based startup, is building smart implements powered by artificial intelligence. CNH sees the investment as an important piece of its CN Act work, building machines that complete automated and autonomous tasks based on sensor-detected data. California Department of Food and Agriculture Secretary Karen Ross conducted a swearing-in ceremony recently for newly appointed Cal Expo board member Arturo Barajas. He was Deputy Secretary at CDFA from 2019 to 2021 before joining FanDuel Incorporated as Government Affairs Manager. Barajas was a legislative aide for Assemblymember Joaquin Arambula from 2016 to 2019. He was raised in the Central Valley and is a Cal Poly grad who worked for a vineyard management company while he was a student. Strawberry harvest was canceled recently in the Santa Maria and Oxnard growing regions due to rainfall. In the Santa Maria region, they received upwards of two inches of rain here recently. Oxnard, California received one to one and a half inches of rain. Packer labels are being substituted as needed with plastic clamshells being substituted for the corrugated packs. The season ends at the end of December for both regions and expects strong demand and elevated markets through the end of the month. Blue Diamond Growers Chairman of the Board Dan Cummings has announced that Kai Bachman will join the Agricultural Cooperative and Global Consumer Package Goods Leader as President and Chief Executive Officer on January 17th. The Board selected Bachman after working with Executive Search and Leadership Advisory Firm Egon Zender to recruit and consider candidates from across the country. Bachman will succeed Mark Jensen, who announced his plans to step down after a very successful 12-year tenure as CEO. Bachman most recently served as president and chief operating officer of Saputo Incorporated, one of the world's largest dairy companies where he led operations that included 67 plants and 18,000 employees across the United States, Canada, Australia, Argentina, and the United Kingdom. From 2017 to 2021, he and his team grew revenue from $11 billion to $14 billion. From 2012 to 2021, the international business he led grew from less than $500 million to more than $4 billion. Prior to that, Bachman was at McCain, the world's largest producer of frozen potatoes, where he served as president of the international division and accelerated international sales across 60 export markets, doubling revenues over four years. The garlic industry lost leader Don Christopher on December 12th. Don was a third-generation California farmer and a recognized innovator and leader in the agriculture industry. Don Christopher continued to transform the American garlic industry throughout his career, starting with fresh garlic. He was the first to expand to value-added products like peeled garlic, roasted garlic, jarred garlic, and so much more. His legacy meant so much more than just garlic. It meant a commitment to local education and bettering the lives of so many in Gilroy, the garlic capital of the world. He is survived by his wife, Karen, two sons and many grandchildren and great-grandchildren.
The biggest news in the industry this fall has been a staggering price hike in vegetables that was recorded in November. The November advance in prices for final demand goods was led by a 38.1% jump in the index for fresh and dry vegetables, according to the U.S. Labor Statistics. The index for fresh vegetables jumped 43.1%. The most visible crop to be affected is lettuce. The Salinas Valley has seen a severe drop in production as a result of a widespread infection by impatience, necrotic spot virus, and psyllium wilt. Effects of the two pathogens resemble each other, so it's often hard to tell what caused the death of a specific lettuce plant. Furthermore, one may encourage the growth of the other. Viruses devastate Salinas Valley lettuce. There is no known cure from the disease, and sprays for the thrips, their main vector, have limited success. It's gotten worse every year, but this year has been particularly devastating, according to Kenneth Bauer, Director of Produce Merchandising at Balder Specialty Foods. The hot weather this summer in the area amplified the effects of the virus. He says now every grower in the area is affected and much of the crop is unharvestable. Winter lettuce production shifts out to the Yuma Valley on the border of California and Arizona, but this region faces a staggering cut in water supplies from the Colorado River, which have been reduced as a result of the drought plaguing the southwest in recent years. It is the worst drought that the region has faced since AD 800, the time of Charlemagne. Federal officials have ordered a cut in water delivery from between two and four million acre feet next year. Citrus production is also falling as a result of Florida hurricanes. As of December 9th, USDA forecast 321,000 tons for 2023 for grapefruit, down from 2022's 374,000 tons. Lemon production at 966,000 tons for 2023 is less than the 1,034,000 tons for 2022. Oranges, a startling 2,833,000 tons is lower than 2022's 3,471,000 tons. Tangerine and mandarin production are forecast to be higher in 2023 compared to 732,000 tons. Tangerine production is down slightly from the previous forecast, but up 13% from the last season's final utilization. The Florida tangerine and mandarin forecast is 600,000 boxes or 29,000 tons, and that's down 14% from the last forecast and down 20% from last year. The California tangerine and Mandarin forecast was carried forward from the previous forecast, according to USDA. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey provides an update on Sierra Nevada mountain snowpack accumulations as of December 12th and what that means for future water supplies in California. Looking at the latest numbers coming in from Sierra Nevada snowpack, we have now seen almost a foot of water equivalency accumulate in the mountains. That's all storms that have happened since October 1st. And that number is more than twice the mid-December normal. And it's just a little over 40% of what you would expect to see during an entire October to March winter wet season. So that's great news from California standpoint. And certainly to have a snowpack that's more than twice normal as we move into mid December is great news, but it also tells us that we need still more than half of that snowpack to accumulate between now and the end of March, meaning we need another 60% to go with that 40% that's already accumulated. So the 11 to 12 inches that we see in the Sierra Nevada, that puts us again about 40% of the way to what we like to get at by the end of the season, which is upper 20s to around 30 inches of snow water equivalency. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. 
from micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. We continue to discuss the importance of almond pollination and pollinator health on the show, and more useful technology continues to be developed to find out more about how these pollinators behave. BeHero is deploying pollinator research stations with loads of technology across the state to measure such data. The more growers and industry understand about bee activity during the pollination season, the easier it is to protect them and encourage their natural services. There's on the front of the hive measuring uh, the bees going in and out. There's a bee counter, which uh, attaches to the entrance and it kind of has these little lasers uh, that measure whether it breaks the two lasers going in or out. So it depends which way that it breaks the lasers. It measures whether the bees going in and out. That attaches to a scale that's on the bottom of the hive that measures weight changes that kind of correlates to mostly the nectar that they're bringing in and uh, the number of bees that are leaving and coming back in the morning, for example, can pick up on as well. Um, the in-hive sensors are the little uh, sensors that anybody that's seen us at a uh, conference or used our product has seen. It's a it's a little smaller than a, about the size of a golf ball and clips onto the frames inside of the hives. So that's bringing back uh, temperature and humidity and acoustic. It's recording sounds and sending sounds back to our uh, databases. Um, and it also records light and movement inside of the hive. So like if you move the frame, it'll pick up on that agitation. Um, there are cameras outside of the colonies that are recording um, the bloom progress of the field. We try to put those on the uh, what most people consider the most important, their non-parel trees to uh, track the status of the bloom in each individual uh, location. And then we have a weather station there, which is something that tracks, kind of our goal is to track the very local climate of that orchard because uh, it can change the weather can change a lot in very kind of short distances is something we found in uh, the Central Valley. That was Charlie Nye, a researcher with Bee Hero, and he agreed that the station's abilities to measure local weather data is key as certain areas can have specific microclimates. The temperature in California at the time that we need the bees to fly is right on the cusp of the temperature that bees don't fly at, right? So it's like we're we're dancing right on the edge of, uh, of disaster kind of at all times. So the bees cluster at 57 degrees Fahrenheit and they really don't want to come out of the hive. That's the kind of magical number that uh, you know science has agreed on. Uh, little tiny fluctuations in the weather can get them to come outside. If it's 56 degrees, but there's sun shining on the front of the hive, you're going to see the bees flying. And I know you know, a little bit of wind blowing is going to make it feel colder. I know we can all relate to this, that, you know, 55 and sunny and no wind feels a lot different than uh, 55 with no sun and a 20 mile an hour wind blowing on you. So the bees react to that the same way we do. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are incubating a large uh, area of young inside of that colony and they have to keep them warm. And that has to be 
their primary uh, concern at almost all times is keeping that space warm in there. So if it's not warm enough for the whole group to, uh, for, for a little part of the group to leave to go forage, they have to stay inside and protect the young. Tiny, those, those tiny differences, that's part of the, the, the weather station, the need for us to put weather stations is we have these sensors in place and we were trying to use kind of local data that other weather stations were collecting and we would not see bees flying, even though it was 59 degrees Fahrenheit at the weather station. But then we started looking in the actual orchards we were in, and maybe the orchard we're in is just a, a few feet lower, or it's, you know, behind a hill that we're not aware of, and there's more wind blowing there, or there's, uh, there's all sorts of these kind of microclimate issues that we were experiencing by trying to use other people's weather stations. So that's... Uh, you know, I'm sure every uh, orchard owner is aware of the stress of your orchard having slightly different, uh, you know, even areas of the orchard that it might be cooler than it is in the entire, entire uh, space. The pollinator research stations haven't been around long, but they at first went by a different name, Sentinel Stations. The name change looked to clear up confusion about the purpose of the stations and encourage growers and beekeepers to utilize the data coming out of them. People didn't exactly understand what that meant, uh, so there was a little bit of a uh, of confusion in the naming. We have only done this for one year. We started it in 2021, and uh, it kind of started as uh, a way to open up our research and show uh, the public what we're collecting. What we were already collecting seemed like it was kind of something exciting to open up to the general public. So. We started off with 10 of them kind of as just, uh, you know, an attempt to see if people were interested in this. We've gotten a lot of interest. Uh, there was some minor confusion about what Sentinel Station meant. And so uh, our uh, our group decided to change it to something that kind of uh, made a little bit more sense when you hear the name Pollination Research Stations. So we've uh, we've expanded it from 10 to I think we're doing 24 different stations all over uh, the state this year as well, and uh, kind of making some uh, some minor changes that we learned from what people want to see uh, from last year. But for the most part, it's a very similar thing, which is just us kind of opening up the data that we're already collecting and making it look nice on a web page that anyone can visit kind of their most, uh, their most local of the 24 different stations and see what it looks like is going on in their area. The pollinator research stations, according to Nye, are meant less to inform pollination management decisions and more so to inform the success level of a pollination season, which can be useful later in the season as trees leaf out and produce fruiting bodies. Real time, what the bees are doing in the fields and kind of uh, giving you an idea of how this pollination season is going. So seeing those bee flights and being able to understand what your actual bee flight time is, that, uh, that's been a measurement that we've used in the past uh, for to try to correlate to kind of a successful pollination season. Um, you know, any uh, rainy days or uh, days that are too cold kind of uh, making us nervous and being able to calculate the actual bee flight hours and correlate that to our uh, a successful pollination season. I think this is just kind of shining some light on what is going on in a very local sense. And uh, I was uh, one of the most excited people to see this last year, being able to check all these different spots and see 
uh, in real time what's happening um, with the B flight hours and the temperature and when there is you know a threat a, a threat of frost around the state being able to check up on these local stations was uh, was very nice and uh, a pretty fun experience I would sit down at my computer and check just about every morning just to, to see uh, what was going on around the state you're listening to my ag life I'm Taylor Jolstrom. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. Combine harvester sales remain positive in November, as did four-wheel drive tractor sales in both the U.S. and Canada. However, the latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers says total tractor sales fell in both countries. Total U.S. ag equipment unit sales fell overall, though the largest units grew in sales. November's total farm tractor sales fell 21% compared to 2021, with the under 40 horsepower segment seeing the biggest drop at 28%. U.S. self-propelled combine sales in November grew 8.3% to 314 units sold. Combine sales are one of two positive segments this year, of 15.7% year-to-date. The other growing segment in 2022 is the 100-plus horsepower segment, up 6.2% during November and 13.3% higher year-to-date. Combine harvest and four-wheel drive tractors were the only higher segments in Canada. While total sales are down, the larger equipment continues to be strong, according to Kurt Blades of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. USA Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau says he would like to see changes to the federal farm loan system. I would like to see the Farm Service Agency be able to offer the best deal out of the gate and function less like a lending institution and more like a federal government initiative. The challenge that we have right now is that our loan officers, for whatever reason, are often in a more conservative frame of mind than they need to be. And that conservative frame of mind actually puts the producers in a weaker position because we don't extend the best terms that we can at the outset. Duchenau says USA is working internally on several fronts to bring change. The message that I take out to organizations like the Wisconsin Farmers Union, to stakeholder groups that I get to visit with, is we are going to try to change this to a culture of getting to yes. And the Secretary of Agriculture is now talking about using our loan servicing tools sooner rather than later and catching folks before they fall off the cliff. And I'm really proud to be here part of that and look forward to hearing from all of our producers in the countryside as we navigate through these times. For example, an FSA loan application is 29 pages. The team is working really hard on refining that, streamlining the process so that we can get to more timely decisions for our producers. And 29 pages is just frankly too much for anything. And that's the short end. And it isn't the fault of our county staff. So so don't beat them up when you talk about it. They'd rather have it be better too. It's our job as leadership at the national level to do that. Our farm loan team has been working on that for years. Now we've got the stars aligned to where we're going to get there and start to streamline that and bring it down to around a 12-page application to start with. That's FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau. 
According to Chris Lawson, head of fertilizers for CRU International Limited, there is bad news and good news in a phosphorus outlook for 2023. The bad news is that various challenges remain to the global fertilizer market. Top of the list is a continuing war in Ukraine, as well as some nutrient logistics concerns in the United States because of weather. The good news is with record high prices, there was less demand globally for fertilizer in 2022. Many farmers decided not to apply phosphorus fertilizers. This situation could lead to lower phosphorus fertilizer prices in 2023. A wild card in a phosphorus outlook in a new year could be when or if China re-enters the phosphorus fertilizer export market. There are some questions if China will ever export these fertilizers again, according to fertilizer analysts. Numerator, a data and technology company serving a market research space, has released its monthly Numerator inflation report, an advanced projection of the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics' monthly consumer price index. The report measures inflation for food at home overall, as well as for cereals and bakery products, meats, poultry, fish, and eggs, dairy and related products, fruits and vegetables, non-alcoholic beverages and beverage materials, and other food at home. According to Numerator, seasonally adjusted prices for all food at home purchases increased 0.1% between October and November, a deceleration from the 0.4% increase between September and October. Seasonally adjusted prices for cereals and bakery products and for other food at home declined by 0.6% and 0.3% respectively. Seasonally adjusted prices for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs increased by 0.1%. Seasonally adjusted prices for dairy and related products increased by 0.2%. Seasonally adjusted prices for fruits and vegetables increased increased by 0.6% and seasonally adjusted prices for non-alcoholic beverages and beverage materials increased by 0.3%. Between November of 2021 and November of 2022, prices for food at home increased 11.6% overall. Prices for cereals and bakery products increased 14.5%. Prices for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs increased 7%. Prices for dairy and related products increased 15.4%. Prices for non-alcoholic beverages and beverage materials increased 12.7% and prices for other food at home increased 13.6%. Consumers have reacted to higher prices for food at home items by shifting to lower cost private label brands and by shifting to lower cost retailers and reducing the amounts of items they buy. Overall, consumers are paying approximately 4% more for their monthly food at home basket while buying 9% fewer items. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit phycoterra.com learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.